Good evening and welcome to a special COVID edition of Cinema Death Cult. I am your host, Adam Bolger, and the reason it's a special COVID edition is uh, because I just had COVID, Um, and that's also uh, why I haven't done a podcast in about two weeks. Uh, I was sick with the most famous disease in the world. I'm mostly recovered, still a little tired, I might cough a little bit, Um, and I appreciate your patience as I struggle through this um, challenging time for myself and my family. I'm trying to try to talk like a politician. Uh, anyway, more to the point. Um, we're gathered here today to talk about the 2021 comedy film Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo. Uh, Annie Mumolo and Chris and Wig are the co-writers of the 2011 film Bridesmaids, which up until the release of Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, I would have said was uh, by far, um, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar by far, uh, was uh, uh, very much obviously Chris and Wig's best movie. But now there's a whole new best movie that's by her, which is Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. So what I'd like you to do right now I don't know if you... The movie is streaming on Hulu. You can watch it anytime you want uh, for free if you have a Hulu subscription or somebody's password. (laughs) Uh, So you can watch it anytime you want. So go watch it. Go watch it now if you haven't seen it. I don't know if you listen to this podcast and like you just like falling asleep hearing my voice and, uh, you know, kind of... With, and you don't watch the movies and stuff. I think that's fine most of the time. And most of the time I've talked about movies, I'm assuming people have seen. Um, this, might, this one you might not have seen yet. So I'm saying if you haven't, just go watch it now. I don't even want to talk about it in, even in broad terms. I don't want to describe it. I don't want to give, it too, give, it, give away too much of the plot or anything. I want you to go and watch it and go in cold because that's how I watched it. I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I've seen the trailer. You're allowed to watch the trailer. Uh, yeah, the trailer does. The trailer is good and bad at the same time. It's good because it doesn't. It holds back a lot. It doesn't really tell you a whole lot about the movie, and so when you watch it, all this stuff will surprise you, and it's great. Um, it's bad because it really undersells how good the movie is. So, um, watch the trailer, uh, go to Hulu, watch the movie if you haven't yet. And, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to, I'll count to 10, I guess. I don't know. Cause I want to, don't want to stop recording. I want to roll <laughs> one. Okay. I'm going to count. To, the idea is I'm going to count to 10, give me enough time to turn this off and come back and watch it. And listen to me talk about the movie that you've by then watched. That's the future Blue Perfect Tense or something like that. My Latin is coming back to me. All right, so go watch the movie. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, and let's get this show on the road. First, wasn't that movie terrific? <laughs>
I love this movie, man. It was, this this is the most this is the biggest surprise of watching a movie I've had in I don't know how long. Maybe like definitely in 2021. This movie took me more by surprise than any other movie this year. Um, there's a trailer. You know, they put the characters front and center, and the characters, you know, Barb and Star, they are, you know, the very important part of the film, obviously. Uh, But it doesn't really tell you what any of the plot is, right? So you think it's just going to be these characters that are honestly a little bit annoying. They do seem annoying, you know? And they are. I mean, they're, you know, a little bit grating. But then the magic of the movie is that there's this bonkers plot that these two wacky, grating, annoying-ish characters interact with. And while those two, while those characters interact with this bonkers plot, uh, makes the plot even better, first of all. Secondly, it, um, it presents an argument for you to like these characters. So over the course of the movie, they, they, you like them a lot. Uh, you know, I don't know, man. I really, it's a good vibe of a movie. Like, it just felt, I've watched it now twice. Um, I watch it with my brother. I watch it by myself. I watch it a little bit with my wife, too. And my daughter, actually. My daughter watched it. She's eight. And she watched a little bit of it. And uh, the humor was a little bit, I wouldn't say sophisticated, but, you know, but she she liked the, um, she liked it was about ladies and it was just sort of a nice, happy thing and there's romance and, uh, <laughs> you know, it was very funny is there's this, um, I better get to my, I'll get to my thesis in a second, but there's this big thing about a woman named Trish that is built up in the beginning and then get, then it comes back at the end and my wife is watching it with my daughter and she's like, what's, what's happening there? And then my, and my daughter, it's like, it's Trish. And, you know, cause she's just a child. She doesn't understand that she doesn't have this complex sort of, um, toxic almost, um, sense of irony and layers and stuff. And she was just like, you know, just took it for what it was. I mean, which was great. You know, it's kind of innocence, dreamlike, uh, childlike, dreamlike innocence of it. But anyway, so the reason why I don't want, didn't even want to talk about any, any specifics of the movie before it, before anybody has seen it is because the movie like took me off guard almost immediately. Like the, I'd seen in the trailer, they show the, the, uh, Asian kid paper boy, uh, listening to the song, the BG song, and it's an interesting thing, but it seemed, you know, nothing much to it. It seemed kind of like, it's, it, it didn't seem like something I was that excited to watch, but, and I put it on just sort of like, just to have something on. But then within, I think, five, the first five minutes of the movie, he walks up to a tree and he's like digitally scanned and goes into a secret hideout. And you and it's like Doctor Evil, Doctor Evil Hideout. It's this really like bonkers thing that happens, you know. And once and I was like, I didn't see that coming. And it was great, and I was so uh, uh, excited to see that because I thought it was just going to be like this little character, not realistic thing, but you know, character driven thing about like these li- women having shitty lives or you know reacting to shittiness in their lives in this milieu you know 
and but the genius of the the other okay so the throughout the movie it's like they are the movie keeps like <coughs> i don't know if it's deliberate or not but it keeps like hinting at terrible directions it could take it sort of like illustrates like ter- like bad ways that the plot could go down and then it just doesn't go there it does something else instead like um you know, like these ladies, they lose their jobs in the beginning, and then they're all distraught, and they're kind of being, you know, they got to go get their groove back. You know, and they do, but um, that's not a good example, I suppose. Um, well, you think, well, first, yeah, you think these women are just going to be embarrassed the whole time. They're going to be, like, humiliated. And when they go to this, like, cool place, he's like, uncool ladies are going to be humiliated. But it's not. That really is not what happens at all. They, you know, just, they get there, and there's this beautiful, like, song and dance thing about this, like, nice hotel they do. And then they have to go to a bad hotel. And that's the second kind of red flag thing, where it's like, oh, this whole movie is going to be about them being at the bad hotel and wanting to go to the good hotel, and they're... And the good hotel manager has to kind of, you know, oppose them. He's the bad guy or whatever. Uh, and they, and it seems like that for about two minutes. It's like, uh, it's deflating, you know. But then they just get rid of that. And then just almost, uh, for about, there's like two minutes of that idea. And you get a sense of how that would go and how it wouldn't work. And then uh, the hotel manager is just like, oh, yeah, no, you have a room. You can have a room here. And it's even funny because it's like it's about a murder or something. Um, and then, you know, the next thing is like, okay, then the, the handsome fella, he's introduced and you think of the movie is going to be about, um, them fi- vying over this handsome fella there, or just a be- trying to get his attention, you know, and him not being interested in them. Actually. Yeah. That's, that's the same thing. I think they're it seemed like they're setting up and they were first talking to him, like they're going to be annoying and he was trying to do his you know, his evil plot thing, and they're going to be oblivious and annoying. But instead, uh, <laughs> instead, like, they, they accidentally take, like, I guess ecstasy and acid or something. And then, you know, it's, like, very funny. And, like, then they fuck, which is great, too. And then you think it's going to be a whole movie about them, the two ladies, like, fighting over this guy. But that's resolved very quickly, too. Because that would be boring, too. You know, you don't, because, like, the whole, like, who cares? Who cares about fighting over some stupid dude? You know, because they're like, you know, they they sort of do that. They 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 spell that out how that would go, and then immediately like um, Anna Mumolo's character, I forget if she's Barbara Star. She's like, oh no, I'm not that into you. I've had a I've had a revelation, and and then it's very funny too because then it's like then you see the same date twice, uh, same picaresque date. That he takes both ladies on, but then um, I forget if they if if Anna Mumolo's character fucks the guy, fuck fucks him or not. You know, obviously Kristen Wiig fucks him, and then she's like, and it seems to resolve in the same way. She's like, oh no, out of loyalty to my friend, I can't do this. But then she, Kristen Wiig, just like runs back, like we can, can we fuck again. <laughs> um, and the other thing is that uh, it's very it's a very sweet movie. Because, like, over the course of the movie, it's like these people, these two ladies more and more, you know, it's like you're on vacation with them, 
And it's about kind of like, you know, losing your inhibitions and a little bit, but also discovering yourself and being brave and, you know, uh, getting more confidence in yourself and making bolder choices. And, and that's really like uh, the Annie Mumolo character. That's more than Chris and Wig. But it's about, you know, opening yourself up to new stuff. It's cool. I like it. Because there's this, um, I've seen, of, of all things, of a, of a movie review podcast, much like what this is, I suppose, uh, called How Did This Get Made? And it was a couple years ago, um, and they were talking about the Mike Myers movie, um, The Love Guru. And this guy, he was like one of the guys from um, the state, oh, no, Upright Citizens Brigade, rather, and he had this thing like, because the movie is like, it was informed, the love guru was informed by like Mike Myers having like this kind of um, personal journey, you know, becoming like growing as a person and personal growth and uh, learning compassion and, uh, you know, uh, you know, growing as a person, right? And then he tried to make a comedy movie out of this and the the Upright Citizens was a gay guy, is like, no, you can't do that in a comedy because comedy is about fuck you and shit sucks and it's negative. And, uh, it's a, and so the failure, he, in his opinion, the failure of the love guru was because it was trying to be a, um, a movie that a comedy, finding, it was trying to find comedy in personal growth and you know, spiritual journeys. And uh, I think he's right, and I don't think that's a good movie at all. My, I was fascinated by that movie because it was so terrible, and I, I just thought, I don't know why, I think I didn't think, in a, I was like, this Gigi Allen, this is like a, G, a movie Gigi Allen would love because of its essential misunderstanding and uh, maybe contempt for humanity. I thought that Gigi Allen would, would somehow find something in it, maybe. I don't know. But... Um, but so Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. It is a, it is a movie that actually is able to find a lot of comedy out of like growth and journeys and stuff like that. Um, like it is funny. Like it makes it. It's a very funny movie because it's and and, and it's a good vibe too. You know, so those two things work together very well. I think it's part of why I think it's so special, and I want to keep recommending it to people i want to like watch it with people like put it on and just have like a nice time and feel good like that's the kind of movie it is um but i think it points to a new direction in comedy and i really hope that it kind of takes hold because it's like because it's it's a weirdly tight movie like it seems like they're this is another thing like it points to something that could be bad like it seems like it's a really like um baggy improvisational exercise like where like it starts off with this whole trish thing where they're you know like they're on a plane and they're just like here's the name trish and here's all these like comedic riffing about the name and characteristics of a person named trish and what this you know and inventing all this like complicated story about person named trish and um it seems like an exercise to a degree you know it seems like two two improv com- comedians doing a thing like they're they're having agreement and they're doing yes and and they're doing a little riff riff exercise and this is where they're getting in this dialogue and that's that's you know like 
kind of like Judd Apatow and um, who's that other dude? Um, the guy who directed the Ghostbusters movie and even Bridesmaid, you know, just like a lot of improvisation and a lot of dialogue and a lot of takes and kind of like get some non sequiturs in there and some silly stuff and whatever. That's that's one kind of comedy. And it works when it works, it's great, but it's been done too many times and it's failed a lot, you know. And then you have uh and and you have this it the other thing is like cringe comedy where like all the comedy comes from like awkwardness, which I thought you know, because you have these like middle aged Midwestern ladies going to Florida and I thought the whole thing was gonna be about like them like judging them and having them look like assholes um, or them, you know, doing something stupid, like Michael Scott kind of shit on The Office where they, you know, maybe they have good intentions, but they just are, um, don't understand, you know, they're socially inept in some uh, devastating way. But that's not it either. And they're not, it's not like smarmy or smart alecky. It, it's just like, because the thing about the improvisational thing is that all that rando stuff that they say throughout the movie, um, it all comes back around. Every single little bit of it. I was in awe of it. I wrote a screenplay last year. And, you know, you read like screenwriting books and stuff. And, you know, what people start, you start like being more thoughtful about how movies are made and stories are told and stuff when you do it. And uh, one thing is like, you know, you always, you know, set you setups and payoffs. It's a big thing. And it sounds like nothing. It sounds like a nothing little bullshit thing. Um, but, you know, when, when a movie doesn't have setups and payoffs, you're like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> it's just, just a waste of time, you know. And when, so, and, but when it does it really well, you know, it's it's it just helps with the story. But this one, like, I had no idea that anything was being set up, and then it all got paid off. And like, all these like rando little lines, like um, they talked about frog like frogs legs, and then uh, uh, Annie Mumolo's character started talking about like Kermit, you know, on the bicycle, and then that all comes back <laughs> at the end in one way or another. Like even that, like that that thing about the Trish thing. Like the Trish makes an appearance at the end of the movie, and in a way that would otherwise be nonsensical, you know, if it hasn't had all this set up. And so it was really, it was like watching a magic trick because a lot of it was misdirection. And because, uh, you know, it just seemed like all non sequiturs and stuff that was, you know, just off the dome riffing. And uh, I mean, that, and that probably was all, could have done didn't done in editing or whatever. And I don't really care about that, you know, when it was done. But the fact that it all did come around at the end um just blew my head clean off i thought that was terrific and uh, the other thing is like so it's it's an absurd movie but it has this like really tight logical consistency <laughs> and so the, the movie really loves these characters because I, I thought also they're, they're gonna have contempt for these characters to be like you know fuck these ladies you know because they're stupid they're not cool and uh or whatever, but then over the course of the movie, it's like, no, oh, we really have a lot of affection for these ladies. We want them to grow, and they don't—they grow, but they don't. You know, they're still—they they grow without like changing in a way. Like they do change, but it's like they're still true to themselves, like in a way. I don't know, it felt like a good movie for like the tail end of the pandemic, 
Um, you know, it's like, okay, we all got to kind of have new lives now. Or we got to reawaken a little bit or, you know, open up new horizons. Or just go on vacation or see something different. We've all been stuck inside or our, our experiences have been limited in some ways or whatever. And now, now we have a little bit more freedom and uh, horizons, you know. And so then, um, you know, we also, it's, Austin, it's Kristen Wiig's Austin Powers movie. Because she plays her, she, she plays two characters, and one of them is like, she plays like an evil, Dr. Evil style uh, uh, supervillain. <laughs> it's just terrific. Um, so I was glad to see her do that, which was great because she has a, that ended up kind of being the media role, which is funny because the two ladies, Barb and Star, are pretty similar. So I realized the second time I watched it because, like, she falls in love with the handsome fella, and then uh, she doesn't really have that much to do after that because that was her whole big thing. Like, you realize also, too, that, you know, <laughs> I, it, took me, it took me very surprised. It, like, it wasn't until I was, like, almost through the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, they're on journeys of personal growth. I'm like, oh, okay. And I thought they were just annoying characters. No, no, I don't know. There's that great line where um, uh, Annie Mumolo's character, she meets um, uh, Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia has this great cameo, and then he turns out to be Tommy Bahama. <laughs> and then she's, and he's like, you got to go find yourself or something. And she goes, what if I'm not ready to find myself? And then he goes, what if you are? And then she gasps like, <gasps> <laughs> that was terrific. I don't know if that's like a reference to something or, but I really liked it. It was very effective. Um, and there's that great song that the, the good looking guy sings. Um, Jamie Dorner, I think is his name, something like that. And the joke of that song seems to be that it's a really good song and it keeps getting better and more elaborate. And like this, you know, that's the humor of it. It's a good joke. I was just like, okay, it's like very like Lonely Island kind of thing. Like you have the, um, you know, out of nowhere, like some backup singer, <laughs> very soulful, The you know, she starts singing along with them and, you know, just comes like, oh, okay. The, the, jo- the funny thing about this is that it's a hit song. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think it was very nice. I think it was very, very smart that to have them do drugs very early in the movie too. To do drugs and fuck very early in the movie too, because that gives you a sense of it changes the character in a positive way. Like they're like you think that you're gonna they they're less annoying because of that. You know they're cooler because they do drugs and fuck. <laughs> Then, you know, it's sort of like, oh, well, and also it's surprising. Like the the bottom kind of falls out of your, of the movie and your, you know, you, your assumptions are what these characters will and will not do are probably wrong, you realize. And you're like, oh, okay, where's this going to fucking go? Um, I also love that uh, even though it was a very like, it, it was a, movie that made me feel good like it was just like a good vibe and it had a lot of affection for its characters and it was all i wouldn't say gentle in tone but it was also like it still like made boob jokes and things like that you know it wasn't afraid to be a broad comedy and it was um lots of visual humor which was like so terrific like people like the art of visual comedy has been dead for so long 
but also just like the lounge singer they have who's like, you know, I like boobies, gazongas, da 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 da. I was terrific. I was like the kind of thing that I would have never stopped laughing at when I was like 10 years old. And now that I, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, I'm like, still, I'm like, it just felt so, uh, it still got me, you know, it's got me good. Um, also, his little joke about, oh, I'll be uh, taking a short break and I'm back. Like, that, that was great too. I mean, all these simple little things, you know. Um, so it wasn't, a fr- you know, that that was all perfect and there was, I also like there wasn't any gross out humor or any, you know, like, there's nothing about it I felt uncomfortable, which is, I think, what I thought the whole movie was going to be about discomfort, but it was the opposite. It was kind of just about becoming comfortable. And, you know, nice colors, and it was a fun, fun vibe, a good hangout movie. And uh, it's, I don't know how COVID influenced it was, but it was filmed before COVID or not. But, you know, it seemed like everybody was on set. And they seemed like, you know, they're on, like, jet skis and stuff and seemed like they're really in the water. And, uh, you know, you, you know, they could have just idiot green screened it or something. And they didn't. Uh, so, yeah, I would, you know, just, uh, yeah, I really liked that movie. I really, really liked it. I thought it was terrific. Um, I'm definitely going to watch it again. And, uh you know, tell your friends, make it, make it popular. Maybe they'll make more movies like it. All right. Good night. Uh, and good luck.